The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, episode four, where it never gets any easier. Ah! The Jets absolutely trounced 26 to zero by the Denver Broncos. They scored no points, Kevin. No points. Not not one. Not not that I saw. I joked last week that they were going to get B56 to nothing, and I'm sorry if I spoke this into existence, people. You can place all your blame on me and Greg Van Roden. I'm not going to blame you entirely, but I feel like it's a lot your fault. That's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit on that. I'm going to take the hit on that, and uh, I'm, I think I'm done predicting scores from now on. I think that's going to be the la- first and last Just End the Show score prediction. I'll talk about lines, but not, but not, I'm not, I won't say the final score. I can't speak that into existence again. I, I think yeah. we just Kevin off the show is all we have to do here. Yeah. I, that that'll turn the season around. <laughs> <laughs> that might that might be that might do it that might do it I, just, I i i can i can get released but i'm gonna play for some other podcast and be like really good just to stick it to you in true jet fashion the old darnold move that's what i call it is anyone actually surprised that sam darnold looks good i mean you, everyone saw that coming a mile away do you mean hall of famer sam darnold <laughs> future carolina panthers hall of famer sam darnold yeah we were we were the only roadblock on his road to canton he would have put up Hall of Fame numbers had it not been for those years under Adam Gase. <laughs> you kids and that dog. Tannehill's like, I could have been Mahomes by now. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, they didn't score any points. We warned you that there's always a rockier bottom. We were right. And this team stinks. It always gets worse. <laughs> well, we'll see you next time, folks. No, yeah, I, I agree. This was... Um, Easily the worst of the three losses. I feel like that goes almost without saying. Um, the first one, you had at least some glimpse of, of uh, hope uh, in terms of Wilson made some nice plays. They were able to put points on the board. And with the Patriots game, I think the the defense really showed up for that. The offensive line played better. And I'm still pretty high, actually, on the defense in terms of their performance and execution. But uh, in terms of the offense, this was absolutely abysmal from every Every level of it, every single position group played poorly. But other than that, it was great. <laughs> but other than that, it was a fun watch. <laughs> Zach Wilson had awful stat lines. How much was the? How much it was the O line? How much was it was him? Yeah, the whole offense is just not running at all. I mean, I guess we're going to get into it. <laughs> oh, you actually want to know whose fault it was? The answer is everybody. Yeah, it was it was it was a team effort. He had a lot of people in his face the entire game. Yeah. But it was also like everybody in that it was the receivers, right? Like it's like they're also not separating at all. So he is people in his face. He got rid of the ball and it's incomplete every time because there's nobody open. Like it it was really a failure on all levels. Yeah, and he's holding on to the ball too long, but it, nobody's open. <laughs> there comes a point when, like, how much of it is Zach Wilson and how much of it is his line. And he, like, yeah, he just holds on to the ball. But, like, man, 
I can't blame him for holding on to the ball because he can't throw it away every single time because it just doesn't make a difference. Yeah, and there's nobody. There's yeah, nobody's open downfield. Oh, hard to watch. I know it was <laughs> coming it, back more. It's like a fucking JV team playing against an NFL team. It's like how is this happening? I got a question for you guys. Do you think that the Jets could beat? Alabama. <laughs> what is about, it? All right. Well, let, let, there's let, any hesitation. Let me ask you this: Are you asking if Alabama was an NFL team, or if, no, if Alabama won random games scheduled against the Jets, just in like an exhibition in, game? In an exhibition game that, for some reason, all parties took extremely seriously, <laughs> could Alabama beat the Jets? Or I'll, I'll, I should rephrase that. Okay, 2020 Alabama could like Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Alabama. Beat the Jets. This year? Yeah. I don't think the Jets would cover. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go with that. I, I, if it was a scheduled game, the only thing I think the reason that the Jets would, could win is because they've, they're there already. Like, to Alabama, like, they don't – like, they're all going to play an NFL team. But, like, the Jets are there already. Like, they're just playing down. But, man, I think that game would be close to most people think. Yeah. It, it would actually legitimately be close, I think. And I barely know, like, how good Alabama was, but... You know what gets me on betting the Jets during a possession is that you could take punting for minus 120 or turnover for plus 1,000 sometimes. Wow. And I'm like, why, why is a... Why, like, a turnover in, for the Jets is just as likely. <laughs> like, why is it yeah. plus... Yeah, man, th- that's a that's a gold... That's a, you do live bets? Oh, man, I gotta get on that. Is it for every drive? Uh, you got to get it before the drive starts. So, like, uh, most drives. Like, the first one, not really. But, like, two through whatever it gets to, yeah, you can do it. You can do it live. That's great if he throws a touchdown and you're, damn it, son of a bitch. <laughs> you, know, you know what I and I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Romaine's nameless doesn't hear this. No, you know what? Seth, I did this now. <laughs> I'm gonna ble- no, I'm going to bleep it. I'll bleep whatever you want because bleeps are funny to me. I hope he doesn't realize that, like, in the first two or three drives of the game, I'll watch to see how it goes. Because, like, your first two or three drives are going to be – like, they could be shitty. Like, you, you, it doesn't mean anything for the most – like, you come out throwing heat, like, yeah, you're going to win the game. But, like, first two, three drives, don't score, that's fine. That line drops for the over-under, then you take it. That's what I take it. Because when you're watching Packers – no, not Packers, but uh, <laughs> you're watching, like, Bucks versus the Niners – yeah, they don't score their first two drives. Take the take the over once it drops to forty seven. That's what I do. That's my thing. I watch the live line until it drops. That makes sense. I've had very little success at live betting, and that's probably because it's stressful for me to get the bets in on time. I'm often watching NFL games under let's call it by questionable means. So sometimes I'm a little delayed from the cable broadcast, which is already delayed probably at least, what, 10, 15 seconds from the actual game. If you're sitting in the stands, like Colin, I think that's genius. Um, But I haven't had a ton of success live betting. I always bet interception before every drive because that's always the highest odds, especially when I'm watching a game that has, like, Daniel Jones in it or something. I'm always like, oh, he'll throw one eventually. I think that's my only win at live bet is just saying Danny Jones interception, and eventually on the fourth drive I was right, so you end up ahead. Yeah, that'll be paying out this year, man. Holy shit, with Zach. This is a Jets podcast, right? (laughs) Listen, Zach does not lead the league in interceptions, right? Because doesn't... (laughs) We can't pivot. Doesn't Trevor Lawrence have more interceptions than Zach? 
I think he does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Man, talk about a bad year. I mean, granted, it's everyone's first year in the league, but like even Trevor Lawrence is not like what do you got 200 yards passing like the other day? Yeah, they all looked bad. They all uh. fields. I don't even know. I don't even know what was going on with that game. He didn't have one inch to move the entire game, so he might actually still be good. But he was, no, he was terrible. That Bears team. The Bears might have the only offensive line worse than the Jets. They are awful. They can't stop anybody. It's crazy to watch. Really to talk about the draft? Do you guys? Do you guys want to have a draft episode? Oh my god. <laughs> I'd have a draft episode. We could do a quarter of the way through the season draft episode. Who are the Jets going to take this year? Yeah. Oh, my God. If the Jets have the number one pick, I think I want them to trade back because there's going to be a quarterback in there somewhere, and that's, like, the one thing we don't need, right? Like, let's trade back. Let's get, like, four firsts and just really just build this thing from the ground up. There you go. You can't give up on Zach after one year, especially this year. Like, you have no idea. I still don't think you even know what Zach is yet. I don't either. Yeah. Like, you have no clue, like you, because it's his line is collapsing around him, and he's not throwing awful passes. He's not throwing great passes all of the time. Um, so it's just hard to know what he is still. So I'm all for trading back if we got to the uh, if we got the first overall pick. Yeah, his a lot of his interceptions are just him trying to force balls, kind of Brett Favre style, into like tight windows. And it's like, well, yeah, that's because nobody's running open for him. Nobody's getting separation. He feels like he has to fit the ball in these types of windows, and that'll come. That, like it's not you're not going to ask that from day one that he knows exactly what he's doing in every situation I don't I expect a rookie quarterback to hold on to the ball too long honestly yeah and he's holding on to the ball because nobody's open he, like you said what's he supposed to do throw it away every single down like he seems like he's forcing it to Davis a lot now it seems like every down he's trying to he's trying to force it into a tight window into Davis yeah, I feel like there were definitely a couple of forced balls to Corey Davis where you could even see Braxton Berrios running open underneath, right? there. I think there were at least a couple of those where you're like, well, if he just leads Berrios there, he's probably got a better shot at it. I'd love to see like a stat line that is, I don't know if they even have this, like a, like an analytic stat line about like how, like in a tight window, like exit velocity in baseball, like how much space was between the receiver and the and the corner to know what Zach Wilson is throwing. That's a good pass and a bad pass in reality. They absolutely have that. They have the next-gen stats that, like, pops up on the screen occasionally, like those catch percentages. They can calculate yeah. stuff like that, throw windows, absolutely. I just want to see what that looks like. I haven't looked at that for him, so I want to see what that looks like because, honestly, I feel like he's either missing, granted, this is anybody, missing incredibly wide on purpose, or he's forcing something. So it, it, it So he's not missing by much. And if he's doing that, I'd rather that than just missing every time by, you know, five yards, six yards. Yeah, my my problem with Zach wasn't really the forcing the balls because, well, like we talked about, what choice does he have? It's the misses on third down. He had a bunch of open receivers on these quick, like third and threes, third and fives, and he was just missing throws on third down. I think that's something that they've really got to clean up with him. Yeah, I just feel like the whole offense isn't functioning correctly. Like I, I didn't really like, uh, I didn't really like Lafleur's game plan that much. To be honest, I feel like Zach is just constantly playing out of rhythm. It, it seems like he can't, he can't get anything going. And actually, like when they do, the occasional times they do play with a little bit of tempo, I think it seems like it helps him. You know, just in the sense that it, it like, if he only is focused on like doing the one thing on a play, it seems like that's where he's actually making some better decisions. It doesn't seem like he's able to get into rhythm early on. Like in this game, he, it seemed like he was never there. And 
It's like, uh, it just feels to me like you can tell that he's a little bit overwhelmed by the speed of what's happening around him. And I just wish that the game plan wasn't, seemed like it was kind of built around the idea of trying to make these like big throws and bigger plays. And I, and I understand that that's why they drafted him and he's supposed to be a big playmaker quarterback. But with the offensive line being this terrible, I just feel like it'd be nice if they could run some kind of play action or run pass options or do something, Get have somebody open five yards downfield, get him into some kind of rhythm, get him, get, you know, just to try to build up his confidence a little bit and try to move the ball downfield. And I feel like any sense of that is just getting lost by some of these plays. Like we're saying, I don't, I'm not even really blaming him specifically as much as it feels like it, it feels like he's kind of being set up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's something they do even with the greats, like, right? Like the Packers do that with Rodgers. You used to see those old Colts teams do that with Peyton Manning, where it's just like, okay, let him get the five-yard quick hitter to Reggie Wayne. Let him get, you know, a quick one to Dallas Clark. Just get him in rhythm, and now we can open up the whole offense. You can't underestimate that kind of rhythm. How much do you think the Zach Wilson hurry-up offense would help him? Like, just not having time to think about everything else going on on the field. Just get him to the line of scrimmage, call a play, and... Just let him think about just making the play, not nothing else, not anything else going on around him, not the crowd or anything. Like Sam was, remember Sam, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Like, do you think anything like that's going on or do you think it's just? I don't think he's seeing ghosts, but to your point, Colin, I think anytime you can get him moving where he just has to rely on his improvisation and rely on his athleticism, as opposed to sitting back there and trying to go through progressions, I think you're playing to his strengths. I think they should absolutely be playing up-tempo. Yeah, and it seems like the few times a game that they do that, um, he's responded to it pretty well. And yeah, it just seems like um, I just it's tough to see him going down this road that seems a little bit like the Darnold happy feet thing, where it seems like he's not set and there's like he's having like just his mechanics are just off, and you you can tell. And it's a really different looking I and mean, obviously the preseason's the preseason whatever but if you go back and watch some of those highlights like you can tell how off his timing is right now and i and i i think part of it's just obviously it's the NFL and it's you know stepping up into that competition but having both the terrible offensive line that's constantly having him flushed out of the pocket and hurried and just some of these play calls that to me don't seem like they're matching like what could be potentially the strength so yeah i that's the strengths that he has so yeah i definitely think if they can try to do i'm not saying do it the whole game or whatever but and you want to establish i understand they want to establish a run attack in denver i understand like the reasons for it to a certain extent but just you know if it's not working then just try something move the you know give them some short passes like I say, like they, I mean, I guess I don't know if they can't do play action because he's going to get tackled immediately because of the offensive line. I don't know if that's the thing, but it's like they're not running play action at all. And yeah, it seems like it's really affecting his, his play and his timing and his confidence, I think. So I, I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for it. pick up the tempo, just move, do something, you know, make some changes along the way. Yeah. And it's tough to run play action if you can't run the ball, right? When nobody believes you. I thought one thing they could have done a lot better job of in this game was improving some of their shotgun runs, right? So when you've got Zach with pressure in his face the entire game, the best way to get that pressure up the middle off your back is to get those guys going the other way. Loosen them up with a couple of these shotgun handoffs to Michael Carter. That'll at least make that defensive line hesitate as opposed to just breaking right through. Same thing for those you know, middle screens to the tight end, middle screens to the running back. 
just slow that pass rush down, and you can do it with play calling, really. Smart play calling. Absolutely, and I think that I I agree with that, and I think I've actually been pleasantly surprised by Michael Carter. He seems like he's a talent. He seems like a promising talent, and, and he seems like he's pretty quick. But it felt like in this, particularly in this Denver game, it felt like they were leaning on that or trying to lean on that too much. And I don't know if it's because the the throw plays are not working with Wilson, and so that's just what they're going to. But yeah, I definitely feel like. At least, yeah, trying to get the defense on their heels to any extent that you can so that it's not just them busting through. And I don't know if this is the part where we're going to start complaining about the offensive line, but this was this was another terrible performance. I, I thought that the I thought they looked a lot better in the Patriots game, honestly. Um, and this was uh, this was very reminiscent of the of the Carolina uh, the Carolina game. I mean, I, George Fant I, like seems like he's actually a little bit better at left tackle than right tackle. So that's kind of one thing. But Morgan Moses doesn't look good. Uh, all the interior players look terrible. Van Roten looks awful. I mean, he's just getting blown by every single down. And then going on a press conference and complaining about Zach Wilson. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I I just think there's there's a lot of things to say that are, pretty much everything that could have went wrong with the offense is going wrong and that's not to be honest what I thought going into this season I really thought we'd be saying that more about the defense I know we said uh you guys said I wasn't here last week you can always get worse I think this is as bad as it gets I think that this was probably the worst especially against the Broncos this is probably the worst game I'm hoping the Jets will have and it's because of who their opponent was you can't lose to the Broncos like that and you can't get shut out. Like, what are we doing here? I'm hoping it gets better from here. Uh, optimism has been a key factor in being a Jet fan. Uh, pessimistic optimism. <laughs> but <laughs> this was the worst Jet game I think I've seen in a very long time. This is this is reminiscent of that Sam Darnold icy ghost game. It's yeah. mirror imaging to me. Yeah, this this game is the, is is Sam Darnold icy ghost game. Uh, it's got some butt fumble game vibes, just like the "oh, you have no chance" type of game. But I also like you see you saw you see glimmers from Zach himself, though. Like you saw it from Sam, but you had to look for it. Like you see glimmers of hope from Zach just with the eye test. So that's why I'm kind of more high on him than I was at Sam at the same point. I just don't think it can get any worse than it did on Sunday. <laughs> And if this were a movie, then we'd smash cut to next week being like, well, it got worse. <laughs> Somehow it got worse. Not that I'm surprised that the Jets got blown out. Obviously, I'm surprised they scored zero points, but they didn't get blown out in the way that I would have expected. I would have expected, oh, you know, KJ Hamler beat us for a couple of deep touchdowns. Cortland Sutton, you know, kind of went off. This game was just... Javante Williams, that rookie running back at Denver, just absolutely torching them every single time he touched the ball. They could not stop the run whatsoever. I get it that some of that is exhaustion, right? Because this defense just has to be on the field the entire time if the Jets are going to go three and out. And at some point, you just run out of steam. I think any defense who has to be on the field that much is going to you know, bend and break at some point. But they just got run all over in this game, and it, they made it way too easy for Denver. I also think that a positive takeaway is there were only two touchdowns scored by Denver. Like, the rest of it was field goals, I believe, right? Two touchdowns and losing 26 nothing. like, that's a kind of a good 
loss, if there is such a thing, because you stopped them. Like, you did stop them. They didn't get to the end zone. You gave yourself somewhat of a chance, but that was, that was just everything that could go wrong for the offense went wrong, and that's, that's where you, I kind of fell short of this game. Yeah, I mean, it's the third straight game that we've been impressed by the defense, right? We might have to reset the bar for them a little bit. Because I think we've got almost enough of a sample size where we, we could say, okay, these guys are not a top five defense, they're not elite, but they can hang. They can hang in these games if the offense gives them any sort of help. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I think that um, in terms of being surprised, like I, it uh, with the younger players, I, I really, um, I think Michael Carter, the other Michael Carter, is playing amazing. Cornerback play has actually been better than expected, and they seem like a really fast defense, and a lot of plays that start like behind the line of scrimmage, like toss plays or like quick outs and stuff, they're they're all over that. The linebacker play outside of Mosley is, is still pretty bad, but yeah, in terms of the way that the my positive takeaway from it was that the, I think that the defense is good. They can hang, like you said, and I totally want to echo your point that they're they're on the field the entire game because they can't move the ball at all on offense. I mean, they can't they can't take any time off the clock. Like you're saying, Colin, like 26 points is actually surprising. I mean, it could it could have been a lot worse. I think um, without without these plays, and that's the second straight week of that. I thought in the Patriots game, I also was really like pleasantly surprised by the fact that they're able to get stops. And I I don't know how much of it is Sala and how much of it is just these young players kind of stepping up. You know, if you think about this defense, if they had Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, Ashton Davis, if they had these guys back out there, I think this is a real viable uh, defense that can, that can really get stops, but they can't get stops for an entire game. If you, you know, they, they can't be on the field this long. And like you said, you know, only giving up two touchdowns. And this is actually like pretty good considering how, how, how just abysmal the offense was all day. Yeah. It's almost exciting to think about how good the defense could actually be with Jared Davis and with Blake Hashman on the field, giving CJ Mosley some help at the linebacker level. Cause they've been solid up front. Jonathan Franklin Myers has been an absolute monster up front for them. It's been great. So if you yeah. tack on Franklin Myers to the things that Quinn and Williams is doing on the interior, I thought Bryce Huff actually played pretty well off the edge. I think Shaq Lawson took another dumb roughing the passer penalty. Although that one he did suspected best. I wouldn't have called that off on the ref, but it's humor there, right? That's a reputation call. Shaq Lawson has kind of a reputation of being a, a late hitter, a little bit of a dirty player. I think that probably cost him on that penalty. So they're doing some good things up front. And as you said, the secondary is, at worst, really overachieving. At best, Sal has really got these guys doing the right things. I think, like you said, Kev, on those toss plays and things like that, they really rally with the ball, and that's something that Sal definitely brought over from those 49er defenses. That was always a hallmark of them, right? You can't teach speed and just effort and rallying to the football. That's all coaching for me. I do want to talk about Matt Amendola, our guy, for a second, because he tried his best to break the shutouts. What was that, a 52 or a 53? I think it was some long field goal. 52, I and, think. And yeah. uh, it was just, it was, was it a holding penalty? It got wiped off the board for some reason. Yeah, it was a holding penalty, I'm pretty sure. Just absolutely brutal. Could have been a nice moment for him. It would have at least broken up the shutout, if nothing else. Um, so that was really tough to watch. How are you going to take a holding penalty on a field goal, right? Yeah, that that and that was, the, um, yeah, it, it was all downhill after that. <laughs> that was the 
that was just the beginning of the of the of the downslide. I feel like there's so many holding penalties on field goals. Like just let the kicker beat himself. <laughs> like that's all. Like if you're kicking a 55 yard field goal, don't. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you preventing? You know. Like what are you? Def- yeah. What are you defending? You're just beating yourselves. Like you're letting. Like it's. I don't know. Well, at least they didn't attempt a 68-yarder that got run all the way back for a touchdown like some other team we know. That was hilarious, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. Absolutely brutal. And it's just a great one for the Cliff Kingsbury highlight reel, right? Jets legend Cliff Kingsbury. Jets legend Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, has an absolute cheat code quarterback and Kyler Murray, and Cliff can't pick up a third and short to save his life. It makes absolutely no sense. He's kicking 68-yard field goals. I don't know what this guy's doing. And, of course, you know me. Of course, I had something on, on Arizona-Jacksonville, right? Who didn't have the Arizona Cardinals in some sort of parlay because they're playing the Jags, and I have to watch a 68-yard field goal coming back at my face to take the lead? Oh, my God. I, I almost drove down to, to Jacksonville just to have a word with Cliff. I was so upset. That's Kingsbury. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hit him or kiss him. He's so handsome, but I hate him. Love hurts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing we'll say at least we have over some other bad teams, right? At least we have Robert Sala. At least we don't have Cliff Kingsbury. It's really early to tell on Urban Meyer, but uh, that dude does not look ready for the big time. Not at all. They can't even rally for the cover in that game. Not that I had them in the Pick'em League, but of course I effing did. Jacksonville, what am I thinking? I was like, oh, it's at home. I take so much comfort in the fact that Trevor Lawrence is throwing more interceptions than Zach Wilson. It's a look. It's not that easy, right? It's a hard let, right? Mac Jones threw a couple of picks last week that made me feel good. You already mentioned the the Bears. Justin Fields can't do anything, so I was like, "Oh, it's not Zach. It's just this awful offensive line, and it's uh, it's just some rookie blues." He'll get it. He'll figure it out. Or it was just a bad year for quarterbacks in general. <laughs> Maybe we're finding that out. I don't know. And everybody took one. Who's the best one so far? Lance. <laughs> I mean, he's barely playing. The guy who plays three downs a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Lance still has the most upside. I watched, listen, I'm with Colin. I watch Zach, and I still think there's a lot of upside there. He's doing some things athletically that we just haven't seen a, a Jets quarterback been able to do ever. So I'm I'm still excited about him. But we'll see if he improves as the year goes on. We're going to take a quick break. That's one thing I wanted to get into is quarterbacks on this team or lack thereof. I want to revisit that. <laughs> So this is something that, uh, Kevin, you and I were going back and forth on for a while, and it's something I mentioned in our first episode, our season preview, and I just want to say that I think that uh, I was right, and I think that not bringing in a veteran quarterback for this team was a massive mistake, because I don't think it's Zach's fault, but I do think on some level, Zach probably isn't ready when you see him forcing balls into coverage. He's not really properly going through his progressions. Sometimes it's not his fault. Sometimes he's just throwing to the wrong guy. I think he needs a lot more reps and practice. I don't think he's ready. I said it before. I'll say it again. I thought that Gardner Minshew was the perfect quarterback for this team. You had Andy Dalton sitting out there. You had Nick Foles sitting out there. You had so many just like vanilla uh, toast veterans you could have brought in to play the first four, five, six games this year. And if you want to hand Zach the reins mid-year, you do it then. Week 10. Go ahead. But I just think he's not ready. He could have learned under a veteran. And I'm going to stand by that as we kind of watch him just sink or swim here. 
Um, I, I agree with you, Seth. I mean, I think going into the year, I think we talked about it in the preview one that I thought, well, they're pushing all the chips in the, uh, in the, you know, the center of the table for Wilson. And that's the move. They're, they're not even bothering to get somebody who's taken a snap in the NFL as their backup. The idea is we're all in on Wilson. It's Wilson or bust. And I think like we're talking about with, I think really kind of all of these, um, uh, rookie quarterbacks, with the exception of Trey Lance, you're right that it would be it would have been beneficial, I think, to have somebody on the team like a Gardner Minshew or another uh, veteran quarterback to kind of at least give Zach maybe a little bit more confidence just in what what he's doing and what this offensive scheme is under Mike Lafleur. Because, like I said before, I just feel like you can visibly tell that he's confused or is, or is overthinking it overthinking things in in the pocket it seems like or he's just again it would help if he had more than a split second to make a decision with and get any kind of protection i i I, you can't put that on him and i don't think that him holding the ball for as long as he is is because always because he's trying he's overthinking things sometimes there's just people not people open and what is he going to do but i think that having a veteran i think that it would have been very beneficial for them to have a veteran quarterback uh in just even if uh even if you wanted to start zach i think just as somebody to to talk to to bounce questions off of whatever you know uh even if you're not going to have even if you don't want to you know have him start games and then bring zach in later just to have somebody there for him to, I think, to work through these very clear uh, problems he's having with his mechanics and his footwork and things that, again, it's not entirely his fault and I'm not blaming him. And I agree that you see flashes where he actually seems like he can be a really special offensive player. And I, I still believe in that, but I think it would have been a good move to have somebody else there. I mean, who, who even is Mike White? Are we sure he's a real person? Yeah, I don't I don't even know if that's a real guy. And to be clear, this really quick, to be clear, this is a pro Zach Wilson take saying I think he should be on the bench in the NFL. This is to help him. And I think we saw it with Darnold a little bit. I mean, how much remember Darnold's first year when he had Josh McCown? Nobody thought Josh McCown was the future of this team, but you saw that relationship and you saw how much Sam got out of Josh McCown and how much he talked about it, right? All Sam could say is how much Josh was really helping him acclimate to the league, helping him understand the playbook. That was a really important relationship for Sam coming up. And at least when we had good Sam in year one before Adam Gase got here and ruined him, I think that's just incredibly valuable for a young quarterback. I was pretty high on not taking a veteran quarterback because I didn't want people calling for that quarterback in week three, four, and five when Zach Wilson came out and had awful games. But looking at the mistakes that Zach Wilson is making, I kind of wish I want to take that back and say I wish he did have somebody to bounce questions off of. Even It doesn't even have to be a backup quarterback that's backing up Zach. It could just be an experienced quarterback coach that's been in the league before and done it, not just a, not someone who's a career coach that's a quarterback coach. You know, I, I would love to have like a like a Kate like a Keenum or like somebody that came into the coaching staff and, and gave him pointers because any anyone that's been there before I think would help Zach in this particular case because the mistakes that he's making are not they're not exclusive to him like every quarterback has made that every pro quarterback and big time quarterback has made those mistakes at some point even Aaron Rodgers has made those mis- the mistakes he's making of holding the ball on too long and not having enough time in the pocket so 
I, I do wish he had to be like, it's not you, man. Like, just this is the right thing to do in this situation. Or if they're coming at you, just throw it away. Like, I think that would be really – I take back what I said about being all in on Zach, and I really wish he had somebody to bounce these things off of. Obviously, he still does, right? He still has a quarterback coach and Rob Sala and other people on the bench, but it's just different when there's a guy that's been there before. Yeah, and Colin, as you say that, I think – Chad Pennington almost comes to mind and that he's always involved with like, they do these little segments with him on jets.com, right? Chad's always kind of like peripherally around the team. I think maybe even bringing him as, you know, you don't want to fire your existing quarterback coach, but maybe bring Chad in as like a quarterback consultant, because I think he's the perfect guy to mentor a young guy like Zach. When Chad came into the league, he's not a guy that's going to beat you with his athleticism or his arm strength. For him, it was all timing. It was mechanics. It was making the right read and making the right read quickly to get that ball out. It was accuracy. That was Chad's game. I think that's what Zach's struggling with. Zach clearly has physical tools that Chad Pennington never had, but I think he could learn a lot from somebody like that. Uh, quarterback coach is important, but definitely like just a consultant would be huge. Like Bring someone in to tell him he's not doing the wrong thing, but he could do it better. Right. He could just he could do what he's doing, but do it better because he's got the skill set. He just needs to learn how to use it in the NFL. It's a totally different game from college. And it's and I do think there's a different thing when you're talking to a veteran quarterback who's who's been through these things and knows them versus going to, you know, ostensibly your boss to ask questions. I do think there's a different dynamic there. And I think, yeah, I'm going to echo with, the, with what you're saying. I just think it's it would have been. Incredibly beneficial, and I don't even know if uh, if there's a move to make. I mean, uh, RG three. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the, if that's really happening, but you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a move to make now. And like you said, Seth, there was there were moves to be made in the off season. Minshew was available for anyone. Yeah, there were there were a ton of these guys just just sitting out there waiting to be picked up by teams. Jacoby Brissett, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton. So so many of those just guys just out there just they're looking for a job, right? There's always, you know, a Case Keenum type that you could go out and find. These guys are available. They also could have gotten some tight end help, but that's a different situation. That's it. Just help. <laughs> <laughs> or just so, not rely. And I mean, I, I think after the uh, the Panthers game, I was I was surprised by the tight ends. And uh, wow, yeah, that's that's gone the other way. I don't know. I, I just think that they that the you can tell how thin they are at that position. It's certainly not helping Zach in the passing game to not have a safety blanket tight end. And that's so, so helpful for a young quarterback to have a guy he knows he could always check it down to safely, a guy that can, you know, a, a, you know, a big body receiver that can kind of, you know, get himself open in the middle of the field, be that safety valve. Zach just doesn't have that, and it shows. Yeah, absolutely. And there were moves to be made there, too. I really feel like they could have, they could have shored that position up or at least not had... Uh, uh, like a be a D plus at that position, which I feel like they are now. I mean, Croft is okay, but that's a real kind of a swing and a miss position for them this year. And I just, like you say, it shows that he, you know, we're talking about his confidence and all these things that would really make you a lot more confident if you could at least just have a competent blocking tight end. You know, I think that that would really help. And the blocking, we're already talking about the offensive line playing poorly, but um, also the blocking from the skill positions, There's that leaves a lot to be desired. Michael Carter, I think, is okay. I'm, As you can tell, I'm high on Michael Carter. But uh, I, I didn't think, I didn't think Ty, Ty Johnson, I feel like, had a terrible game. Yeah, the, the, the blocking from 
even the blocking from the skill position guys just seems like it's just not there. That has to rattle your confidence even more. So I think we're collectively we're still uh, we're still high on Wilson, but we're just saying that they they are uh, they're they're not doing him any favors in the, with this roster. If this is your franchise, going to be a franchise quarterback. At what point you're like, we have to protect this guy. Like this is a multi million dollar investment that you're making yeah. that you're not protecting. And so at what point are they like at some point this season, if this line is this bad, like you're just going to have to sit Zach, you're going to have to sit Zach. And it's not because of anything Zach did. It's because you can't let Zach get hurt. Yeah. And I think that's one thing he did a little bit of a better job with in week three. I remember that first game against the Panthers. He was just taking big hit after big hit. And it was some of them. It was to the point where you were afraid that he wasn't going to get up. I think the last two weeks, even if you include the Patriots game, he's done a little bit better job of avoiding big hits, even when he's getting sacked, which is helpful. But yeah, like you said, Colin, at some point, when do you protect your investment, right? And the Jets have nowhere to go. The only other quarterback on the roster is Mike White. Who, for all we know, is the guy who's in witness protection program, because that just sounds like a fake name. Doesn't that just sound like you'd just come up with that out of nowhere? Uh, Mike... Uh, White, that's my name, yeah. He just wandered his way onto the practice field. He's he's an NFL walk-on. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Mike. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but nobody knows who the hell you are. You can't even, like, Google him. He's just, like, right? He's, like, he's just, he's a ghost. It's like he was looking around the locker room on a tour, and somebody went up to him and was like, hey, what are you doing? Get your uniform on. And he was like, what, me? He was like an actor playing playing a football player, and they're like, get over here. He's like, all right. He's doing research for a role. <laughs> Let's take another quick break, and then I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans and next week's matchup. So as I I look ahead to next week and the Titans, the one thing that jumps out at me immediately is this line is crazy, right? It's Titans minus seven and a half. Seven and a half single digits for a team that, I don't know, I think they're better than the Denver Broncos, maybe. At the worst, they're equal to the Denver Broncos, who were giving double-digit points, who were giving 10.5. I don't understand this line at all. Do you guys? No, I don't understand it one bit. I just think you have to be giving, the Jets have to be getting double-digit points after getting shut out 26 to nothing like it just I just can't I just can't believe that they so badly didn't cover a 10 and a half or 10 point spread depending on where you had it then there it's lower for for a, t- for a team with Derrick Henry on it I yeah I don't understand that at all it's it, it makes no sense but hopefully it makes no sense in a way where we can all get get rich I mean that's almost like you look at Vegas and the Vegas says the Jets cannot be as bad as they're playing like they can't be that bad and Man, that minus seven, I will, I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, like that's unless Vegas sees something that we don't. I, I can't, I can't imagine that. If you look at the spreads every week, it always seems like everything always comes down to the wire. Uh, it's almost as if Vegas knows what they're talking about a little bit on those. But I don't know. I, I put in my bet at seven and a half. I'll tell you the truth. I bought the half point. I bought this you game. You sure did. You texted me immediately. <laughs> I, I texted an alert to Kevin. I used that little, like, the good little goal emoji in hockey. Yeah. The alert. I was like, this line is seven and a half. Do it right now because this is going to be, like, 12 come Saturday. So I'm like, I'm getting this in before they change it. I'm buying the half point. I got Titans minus seven. I didn't put a ton of money on it just because I, like, felt guilty about the Jets. And then there's also, like Colin just said, there's, like, that Vegas doubt. You're like, okay, they maybe they know something I don't. Uh, so I didn't put too much on it, but... 
man, I just like, I cannot love the Titans only giving seven or seven and a half points more. We watched the Jets team this past week get absolutely demolished by Javante Williams. If you think that they're going to stop Derrick Henry, to me, you're out of your mind. I mean, this team, look at the Titans roster. I would consider Tannehill an upgrade over Teddy Two Gloves, personally. You've got A.J. Brown, who pulled a hamstring, but they still have Julio Jones. It's not like they have nobody to throw the ball to. Um, I cannot see the Jets slowing down Derrick Henry in this offense really whatsoever. And this is, again, another good defense. I think the Titans' defense is legitimate. Maybe a step back from the Broncos. I don't think it's out of line to predict that the Jets will score points in this game as opposed to the Broncos. But 7.5 is, is still insane to me. I guess I'd push back on the defense. I don't, I don't think Tennessee is that great defensively. I, I, I mean, just from what I've seen, and I, I think that I think that their defense is worse than the Broncos. And if there's one maybe like tiny sliver of hope that we can say for these offensive performances, is that these were I think these first three were pretty tough defenses. I don't I don't think I, I certainly going into week one, I did not think that the Panthers were going to be as good as they are. And we'll we'll see what happens with with McCaffrey out with them and all of that, but. You know, I think the Panthers, the the Pats, and and the Broncos actually did have relatively decent defenses. Obviously, it's like a little too early, I think, in the season to trust like DVOA and all that stuff. But they're they're pretty high ranking teams in that, and uh, I think all three of those are top ten defenses, and uh, at least you know as of right now, as of week three. So that is tough. I don't think that Tennessee is is nearly as good defensively. I think there's a possibility that the Jets can move the ball at least a little bit in this game, but. The other side of the ball, as you say, is a complete mismatch. I mean, even without, uh, even with AJ Brown out, like you said, Julio's in there. The the Henry thing is just I, I don't I have no idea what the, what their plan is to stop it, and I would be surprised if there was any way that they could. We should sell we should sell paper bags to put on people's heads and then have them be the sponsor. Branded paper bags. Yeah, with our logo on it. We have a logo and a theme song. We're almost like a real podcast. I thought that was just the Jets logo. <laughs> it's not the Jets logo because it doesn't say Jets in it. It does, it does say Jets. Well, it does say Jets, but there's other letters too. Say Jets. For, for legal reasons, it's important that it does not say Jets because otherwise... No, it doesn't say Jets. It doesn't. <laughs> it says a bunch of other words that, by pure coincidence, all start with the same letter. Are you tired of paper bags that don't say just in the shit? No, sorry. Are you tired of paper bags at Jet Games that don't have big enough eye holes in them? <laughs> Buy our merchandise. Go to Just End the Show Pod Swagged. <laughs> if, if you follow me on Twitter at Just End the Show, I will, and you DM us on Twitter, I will personally send you a paper bag. <laughs> Custom made? That I bought from Stop and Shop. Custom made with our logo printed on it. Hey man, that's no joke. That costs a nickel. Yeah, sell it for nineteen ninety five. We're getting some money out of this thing yet, man. Let's get the let's get the merch cranked up. I'm with you. It says Matt Amendola on the back. <laughs> it's his number. I want to do a Matt Amendola jersey update. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna buy a Matt Amendola jersey. But I was thinking about buying a Michael Carter jersey and then just having a little thing that says two, so I can take that on and off when they're playing offense or defense. That's my new plan. I don't know. I don't know if their numbers are the same, but <laughs> I think that's that's pretty good. I think one of them is Michael Carter Jr. Maybe you have a sticker that you can kind of tack on the back, right? Yeah. Well, it says two. It's like Michael Carter the second. So I, if you just add, 
you know, there's like a little flap. So when they go on defense, I throw that on. I love that. I love that recent trend in the NFL, the the Roman numeral. I'm all in on that. You see that more than more. Didn't the Jets have Lorenzo Malden the fourth? He had the IV on the back of the jersey. That was a cool look. I liked that. Wow, that is a deep dig. Yeah, the fourth. I remember create having to create Lorenzo Malden in Madden because he wasn't in the game because he was like barely on the roster that first year. And I was like, uh, why does this not look legitimate? Oh, yeah, I forgot to type his name IV at the end of his last name so his jersey would look cool. Isn't Minshew, his, his jersey says the second, but he's not the second? Like, they, he just added that or something? So I, I heard that once. I'm not sure if that's Is true. that true? Oh, my God, that would be awesome. I think I, I heard that, that he just was like, yeah, I'm just throwing it in there. Because, like, he, or maybe it's like he doesn't want to be junior for some reason. I can't remember. But anyway, I heard that somewhere. I think if you're a junior listening to this, if there are any juniors out there, go with Roman Rumble the second. It's just so much cooler. What do you guys think about, like, an entire body paper bag that's green that just says play Denzel Mims, right? That's kind of our, that's our mantra here. <laughs> yeah. There's always, Free Mims. There's always a rock your bottom Mims. on one side and then yeah. Hashtag play Mims on the other side because they get Mims. Free Mims. <laughs> Please, free Mims. Why are they not playing? I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. If you're wondering if we're going to do a, a, a why don't the Jets play Denzel Mims segment every week, you could take that to the bank because we're going to talk about this every week until I see Denzel Mims catch a pass. This is ridiculous. Why, why Why? are these people starting in front of him? I don't understand it. And if it's like he doesn't understand the playbook, it's like it seems like nobody understands the playbook. At least have a freakishly talented athlete out there. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm watching the end of this game. I think Jeff Smith ends up getting one catch. And the announcers are like, oh, nice grab there by – they even they hesitated. They were like, nice grab there by Jeff Smith. And I'm just at my mom's house like, fuck Jeff Smith. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Jeff Smith and Mike White are both. I'm not. I'm totally not. We're not sure where they're where they're from. What their past lives were. <laughs> yeah, we're sorry, but uh, it's not your fault that we don't like you, Mike White and Jeff Smith. It's just that you're you're just not Zach Wilson and you're just not Denzel Mims. I'm sorry. Yeah, or Matt Amendola. <laughs> I'll I'll throw some love at the uh, the punter there. I'll throw some love at Todd, Thomas, Thomas Morstead. He's been great since he got here. We're really good at giving the ball back to the other team, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets a lot of punting practice when they can't when they have three and out every down. So you know, I mean, he, he not that he needs practice. He's he's a seasoned veteran. Yeah, we have the best professional surrenderer in the league, basically. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us. I just said the show. Let's hope the Jets find a way to score some points next week against the Tennessee Titans. Enjoy the games, everybody. Kevin, take us out. Just end the show. Just in-